2: So take advantage of your evenings, take advantage of your weekends, build your business, build it, build it, build it until the demand is there, until the sales are there, build your business until you get that clear signal that you can take that leap and you can, you know, have a steady paycheck from your side hustle.
0: You're listening to Side Hustle Pro the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikaela Matthews-O'Kome. So let's get started. Today's episode is brought to you by Gusto. Gusto offers modern, easy payroll benefits and HR to small businesses across the country. They were even named Best Online Payroll by PC MAG. And as a Side Hustle Pro listener, you will get three months free when you run your first payroll. So sign up and give it a try at gusto.com SHP. That's gusto.com SHP. This episode of Side Hustle Pro is brought to you by Podcast Moguls. Have you been looking to start your podcast or have you started your podcast, but you're just not seeing the downloads you expected? Well, I encourage you to head over to podcastmoguls.com for my next masterclass on your first 1,000 downloads. I'll break down how to launch your podcast grow an audience, and increase your downloads without being on a network or having any previous experience. So you will learn how SideHustle Pro launched in the top 50 on Apple Podcasts, how to market your podcast, because remember, you can have awesome content, but if nobody knows about it, your show won't grow. So we break down the exact steps to regularly add 1,000 plus new engaged followers on Instagram and accelerate those podcast downloads. And finally, I break down all the different ways you can monetize your podcast so you do not want to miss this head over to podcastmoguls.com so you can be registered for the next masterclass i'll see you there hey hey guys welcome welcome back to the show today in the guest chair we have kendra outlaw kendra is the founder of atmospheric home staging located in dallas texas Atmospheric Home Staging specializes in vacant home staging, creating lifestyle environments with a competitive advantage. I don't know about you, but I had never heard of home staging before I met Kendra, and I was really fascinated by this whole industry and her journey. She's originally from Starkville, Mississippi, and graduated from the University of Memphis, and then went on to graduate with a master's of science in merchandising from the University of North Texas, She began her career at a home furnishings company in the Dallas-Fort Worth area as a visual merchandiser and product developer. And then she quit her job on a whim in July, 2016, and has been an entrepreneur ever since, starting her own home staging business. When she's not running atmospheric home staging, Kendra is a freelance visual merchandiser and an adjunct professor in the College of Merchandising, Hospitality and Tourism at the University of North Texas. So I wanted to pop on and just let you know that there are a little bit of sound issues and clicks that you'll hear in this episode, but I thought the conversation was so rich that I just decided to publish the episode anyway, but bear with me as these things do happen, but Kendra's journey is one I think you will find fascinating. So let's get right into it. Welcome to the guest chair, Kendra thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. So, from the moment I heard about you and your business, I had to have you in the guest chair because first of all, I'm like, what is home staging? See, I love finding out about whole new career paths and businesses. And two, I just think you have such an interesting story. First of all, what was it like growing up in Mississippi?
2: Yeah, so I'm originally from Starkville, Mississippi. It's a very country small town. (laughs) It is a college town. So um, for me, it's home. I love being there. It's restful, it's peaceful. The food is amazing. Um, But grew up with um, my mom and dad. I have one sister, and everyone's still in Mississippi. But for me, I just always wanted to like get out and see what the world had to offer. So, I love being from Mississippi. It's still home for me, but I was just always curious to see is like what else w- did the world have to offer
0: outside of Mississippi. So, what made you decide to study at the University of Memphis? And what did you study there in undergrad?
2: So, I was originally interested in interior design. So, that was the only career path that I really knew that involved like furniture and home furnishings because I've always loved home furnishings. So, um after I Applied to a couple of schools, and then I received a full ride scholarship, and it was actually the Gates Millennium Scholarship by Bill Gates. Oh, wow. <laughs> After I received that scholarship, I kind of had the freedom to go anywhere, and the University of Memphis was one of the schools that I had applied to simply because they had a merchandising and home furnishings program. So that's kind of why I chose the University of Memphis was specifically for the program. So I studied merchandising and home furnishings there.
0: And what was the initial career path that you wanted? Once you were in the program, were you still focused on interior design?
2: No, once I was in the program, I was kind of focused less on interior design and just more about the process of home furnishings in general. And so when I was graduating from the University of Memphis, I laughingly told my professor that I didn't want to work. And she kind of looked at me and she laughed back like, I know you're going to be like a lifelong student. So <laughs> after I graduated, I was kind of like, "Ah, I think I want to go to grad school. I'm going to avoid, um, you know, working for a while because I <laughs> want to keep learning. And I just wanted to be in college forever because it was actually fun for me. So, um, after the University of Memphis, I decided to attend the University of North Texas. Um, I spent that summer in Memphis actually, and then in July I moved to Texas, and then in August I started there at the University of North Texas. Um, I completed that degree in two years, but while I was actually there, I started teaching in the department. So I was studying merchandising once again at North Texas, and I was uh, um, doing a lot of research and also teaching in the department. And um, after... I graduated from University of North Texas. A week later is when I actually started my career in Dallas in home furnishings. So I guess I never really had a clear career path, honestly. <laughs> I, I only worked for two years before I became an entrepreneur. And so for me, I had been in school for so long that I just knew I needed experience at that point. I had all of this knowledge and you know, these strategies that you learn from the textbook, but I didn't have any hands-on experience. Um, so from the day one, I knew I wanted to work in furniture. I knew I wanted to work in the home furnishings industry. I wanted to make these beautiful rooms and invoke these emotions through these spaces. Um, so I started my career and I was just looking for experience.
0: So when you were studying merchandising, did you have internships or... Or any kind of apprenticeship, kind of things where you were able to explore what a career in this would look like? Because I'm really fascinated by what merchandising even entails.
2: Okay, so this is how I usually explain merchandising it's the art of selling. It's when you had no intentions on purchasing something, but through this beautiful display or this email campaign that you received, or through this photography, you're now compelled or you now want to buy this product. So you can have a product, but if it's not merchandise, well, then it may not sell as well. So it's our job to kind of make you want to buy something. Um, and so originally when I um, while I was at the University of North Texas, I heard about the market that goes on here in Dallas. And so a company came to speak to us and I went up to them afterwards and I said, hey, um, I want to help you all. I want to volunteer during the market to
0: help you set up. What's the market? Is it is it like a big conference?
2: It's kind of like a conference. Is where people come to shop. So if you own a boutique, if you own a store, if you want to sell merchandise online, you come to market to shop. So there's this huge market center in Dallas and they have bridal market, they have fashion market, they have baby, gift, toy, home furnishing, lighting. It's different types of market that you have throughout the year. And so if you are a store owner and you're looking to purchase wholesale, you come to shop and market during that week. Oh,
0: okay. So are they buying just furniture or is it anything like anything that you would include as items in your store?
2: Yes, it can be anything from gift items to um, toys, baby clothes, women's clothes, bridal dresses, lighting, um, accent furniture. It can be anything across the board that you're buying wholesale. So what I did was I approached this company. And I said, hey, I know you all have market coming up and um, I want to come in and just get some experience. Like I said, I had already been in school for so long that I didn't have any experience. Prior to this, I did have a marketing internship during my senior year at Memphis. So this is when I was in Texas and um, I contacted them. And they said, hey, we have two weeks um, at the end of May, beginning of June that we would like for you to come down and work. So I um, went down for two weeks. It was an amazing experience, very, very hands-on. I was helping out with merchandising in the showroom. I mean, they had their team of merchandisers, but I was just kind of like assisting them. So that was a good experience. Did that for two weeks that summer, went back to school in the fall. And then in December, I actually received a call from this company and they said, hey, are you still in school? Are you graduating? We would like to interview you for a position. So that is how I received my first job, actually, is because I did those two weeks as just like volunteer. And I actually got paid for that. But it was just for me to gain experience. And then um, they called me back that
0: fall. And that all came from you volunteering to work with them at first. That's amazing.
2: Yes, yeah, so it was pretty crazy. I just heard them speak. And then I was like, OK, well, this is a nice company. I want to, you know, get some experience. And yeah. so when I them, they definitely needed the
0: help. And so it all happened from that one experience. So you went to work with them after you graduated from your program, your master's program?
2: Yes, I did. So I graduated and a week later I started working.
0: Now, what did that entail? Were at the time you were working, were you already starting to think about doing this on your own?
2: No, I wasn't actually. So um, I started working, I was doing product development. I was also traveling during uh, doing visual merchandising. So I was just there, just taking it all in, learning all the skills and anything that I possibly could. Um, Like, this was my very first job in the field after graduating. Um, So I was just working. And then um, I guess about a year into working, I was actually on a photo shoot. So this was um, in the spring of 2015. And so I was working with my teammate on a photo shoot and after we styled and did everything we had to do for our catalog photography, um, they asked us to stage the house. And so I didn't, had no idea what home staging was at that <laughs> time. Uh, And so the realtor mentioned, she says, hey, you all should start a home staging company and stage homes after you photograph them. And I was just like, "Okay, like, you know, no big deal. No idea what she's talking about. So we staged the house beautifully. And this house had actually been vacant for six months. And after we staged it, she received a contract within one week. Wow. Then I was very curious as to like, okay, I have fun styling that. I have fun staging it. What is this actually? So that's kind of
0: when I started my research to figure out what home staging really was. So what is home staging really? Because it's different than interior design, right?
2: Yes. It's very different than interior design. It's very different than, you know, just decorating your home on a day-to-day basis. So what it is, is it's preparing your home for sale on the real estate market. So a lot of times you have lived in this home for years or or whatever, and you need to declutter, you need to clear it out, and we need to make it visually appealing for someone else to move in. So we're trying to neutralize the home so that it can appeal to the highest number of potential buyers and also sell for the most amount of money. So it's kind of like neutralizing your home and decorating it, but in a very neutral way so that it can appeal to everyone.
0: Do you think there is a benefit to doing home staging versus interior design? You know, do you like that independence of not really needing too much or any client input? How does that work? Yes,
2: (laughs) that's why I chose staging over interior design. Um, Interior design is very personal. This is your personal home that you're spending a lot of money on to decorate and to style it as you want it. So interior design does have a lot of client input. And so for me, staging is so fun because it's so creative and I get to do it so often and I can kind of do whatever I want. Sometimes clients do have input, but in this case, I am the expert and then I can suggest to them what will be best for that Particular property. So I do like staging because I can be more creative and I can, you know, bring in these wild and crazy pieces of artwork or chairs or whatever it is to add my personal style. So it's more personal for me versus interior design is more personal for the homeowner.
0: So I understand that you started taking steps to figure out how to build a business foundation. What were those steps? When were you bitten by the entrepreneurship bug and what were those steps that you started?
2: So I was originally bitten by the entrepreneurship bug in spring of 2015 when I first figured out what home staging was. So I didn't even know really what it was. And then I mentioned it to one of my professors, um, my past professors at UNT. And I was like, hey, you know, I'm kind of interested in this home staging thing. And she was like, "Okay, well, this there is a conference coming up that I think you should attend And so I was like, okay, like just send me the information. So she actually emailed me the information about the um, conference and about a month before the conference, she was like, Hey, did you sign up? And I was like, no, I didn't sign up. And she was like, you really need to. And so I actually signed up for the conference and I attended in November And when I went to this conference, it was very eye-opening. They asked me to write down the name of my business and I was like, I don't even have a business yet. So (laughs) everyone who was there was already in business. They had been in business for a few years. I was the youngest person in the room. It was just a crazy experience for me. What was also was very motivational because people thought I was crazy to even be there. They were like, what are you doing here? You don't have a business. And I was like, I'm just here to learn. And so while I was there, I did learn a lot. And I realized that home staging is one of those things that most businesses are very small, um, family run, or just solo entrepreneur ventures. And so I realized that it's not something you really apply to a company to do, but you can. But usually, it's an entrepreneur who is running a home staging business. So I was kind of bit by the bug then because I realized that if I really wanted to get into home staging, then I kind of had to build my business, um, you know, myself. And so that's when I was bit at that conference in November 2015.
0: You know, that's interesting to me that most of them are entrepreneurial. You said most homestaging businesses are entrepreneurs or family run. Do you think that's because? Yeah. Why do you think that is?
2: Um, I, um, Actually, homestaging is very young. I don't want to misquote the year it was started, but it is a very new concept. So it's not like it has been around for 60 or 70 or 80 years. And also home staging is just not available in all markets. So of course, in like huge metropolitan cities, you will see home stagers, but like where I'm from in Mississippi, home staging is not even a concept that has caught on yet. So I think because it's still so new and such a new idea that you kind of start it where you are and you go from there. And so I think that's you know really why there are mostly entrepreneurs in the room, and some people do have bigger businesses. Um, I actually went to another conference last year, and I think the business that have been around the longest have been between like fifteen and twenty years old. Okay. So I think since the concept is so new, most people do it as an entrepreneurship
0: venture and then go from there. And what are the names of these conferences, by the way, if other people are interested?
2: Um, So the conference that I went to last summer was the RESA conference, R-E-S-A, and that is a national home staging um, conference that happens. And it's also I'm a member of RESA. So if you're really interested, I would definitely say join. That's one of the largest ones in North America. And then the um, conference that I went to locally in Dallas was by Model My Home. And um, they have a program that they also teach courses as well.
0: All right. So you go to this conference now. When did you start taking the steps to set up your own business foundation and what were those steps?
2: So I started immediately after the conference. I was very motivated. I was like, okay, I'm I'm ready to start. It was just one of those things that you left the conference on this natural high of like, I can do this. I have, you know, these goals and plans and things in place. So the conference was in November and I actually started in December. So one of the first things I did was I registered with the state of Texas, um, to get an LLC. So that was first. And then after that, I, um, started my branding and I, um, started researching a logo. So I drew out this logo. I sent it to one of my friends who was a graphic designer. And I asked her to start making a logo for me. After she was working on the logo, I also signed up for a website. I was like, I have to have a website in order to even start a business. So those are the first three steps for me really was the LLC, the branding and the logo and setting up a website. So on that website page, I just put like a landing page that had coming soon. And it stayed like that for a few months um, so I just took some time and I just slowly did everything month by month. So for me, I would save money every month, but then I would also have some money aside that I put into my business every month. So I think at the time it was probably like three hundred dollars. So the first month it was, of course, registering with the state of Texas. The next month was um obtaining the website the next month after that i was paying for the logo so every month i did small things um just building up the the actual
0: idea i love that and it reminds me of my own process as well just like starting slow and just doing one thing each week each day leading up to the bigger leap so to speak now were you also working on people's homes like what was the first home that you put on the website was that your own home
2: Yes, yeah, so the first home that I put on the website was actually my own home and so that was a hard part about starting, you know, it's like you need this beautiful photography to convince people that you can do this work. And so what I did was um one weekend I decided, you know what? I'm going to photograph my own home and that's what I'm going to start with on my website. So, um I borrowed a camera from a friend and I purchased some fresh flowers and like a few accessories and new fresh items. And I spent that weekend photographing my own home. And so
0: I just took those photos. And those are the ones that I actually put on my website first. Did you have like a timeline in mind? Because I know sometimes we're making we're doing things on the side and it's like you were preparing for eventually working for yourself, but you didn't really know when that would be or did you?
2: No, I had no idea. So I was preparing these things, but I think in my heart, I was never going to be ready to be an entrepreneur. It's like that scary leap. So I just knew that I needed to do these things to get ready, but I'd never actually had a deadline or a date. I think my biggest thing was I had this, I had a number or I had this money amount that I was going to need to be able to financially sustain myself. But I don't think I ever really set that number. It was just like, oh, I don't have enough money in my savings account. So I didn't have a date. I was just doing things that I knew needed to be done. Um, I had opened a bank account. I had done all of this research. I was just working, but I didn't have any specific deadline in mind. So I would literally go to work all day and do that job. And then I would come home and I would research or I would come home and I would set these new goals for myself to say, you know what, next week I need to open a business bank account. Okay, which bank am I going to? So I didn't have a deadline. I was just working and crossing these things off of this list, but I'd never actually
0: had a start date. Then walk us through The day that you quit on a whim, as you put, as you put it, (laughs) we need to know why did this happen?
2: Yes. So I had been working in Dallas at that time for about two years. I had just hit my two year anniversary mark at work. It was about two years and two months. So at this time I was traveling, doing visual merchandising and we were in different cities And so I had previously had a disagreement with one of the owners and it had been a few days and I thought it had passed. And so I was confronted by one of the the other owners and he asked me to just clear up the confusion. And so that day I tried and it just escalated into something that was just a mess and so I was like, wow, I cannot believe this is going on. I cannot believe this is happening. Like, this is crazy that we are really still in this disagreement a few days later over something that I I didn't stand for, didn't agree with. So I just thought it was insane. So like I said, we were in Las Vegas working and we always go to lunch together as a group. So the group was deciding to go to lunch and I say, you know what, guys? I'm actually going to go somewhere different for lunch. And I called my sister and I was like, oh, my gosh, you will not believe what just happened. And so I run through the day with her and I tell her, like, this is absolutely insane. Like, I cannot work under these conditions. Like, this is crazy. What's going on? And so she asked me, she says, well, what are you going to do? And I was like standing in the line at Starbucks at this point And I'm like, oh, she just <laughs> asking. me, no, like. I don't know. Like, I guess I can't go back there. And she was like, okay, well, let me know what you decide. And so at this moment, I'm like, okay, I have to go. I have to book a plane ticket. So I'm thinking about the time differences and how I'm flying back in time. And I'm like, I have to go ahead and do it now because I'm in Las Vegas. The airport is crazy. So I'm thinking about all these things. So I'm like, I tell her, I say, Hey, I have to go. I have to book my plane ticket. So I get off the phone. I get on AmericanAirline.com, I book a plane ticket and I call her back and I say, hey, you have to pick me up from the airport. And she's like, OK, just tell me what time. So I send the information to her. I get out of line at Starbucks. I run to the taxi line. I go to my hotel. I pack up all my things. I contact my coworkers and I said, hey, today is my last day. I will not be coming back after lunch. Like, please, someone come and get my work laptop. And they thought I was absolutely insane because I'm texting them all of this as I'm packing. And so um, I go downstairs and one of my coworkers meets me and they're like, what is going on? Because no one knew what was happening except me and the owners really at this point. My coworkers just knew that I skipped lunch and something wasn't right, but they had no idea. And so I send an email to HR and I said, today is my last day at this company. And I get in an Uber and I go to the airport and that was it. I By the time I get to the airport, I call my parents and I'm like, hey, you know, I just quit my job. And they're like, OK, so where are you coming home? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I told my sister to pick me up and, and that was it. So it was really on a whim because, I mean, that was day two of 12 of me working in Las Vegas. We had a lot of work to do. I had planned to be there the whole time. I had built this business, but I had did not plan on. You know, just quitting that day, that was not my plan. I, it was a regular work day for me, but I decided that, you know, I just couldn't put up with that work environment anymore and that, you know, if, if I continue to let them treat me like that, then what would be next? So I had to put a stop to it and that was it.
0: Wow. You know, what's interesting to me about your story is a lot of us have that moment where we are literally pissed off to the max and and it's almost like I don't know my way out of this what do you think it was about that moment that made you actually quit and not you know try to think about ways that you could resolve it or you know stay on a little bit longer until you got your side hustle moving a bit more
2: I think for me it was just kind of like if I let this go on what's next it was kind of like this has gone too far you know And so for me, it was about just standing up for myself and what I believed in and putting a stop to it. And so I think that was the biggest thing for me. It was like, okay, Kendra, like, you can't be crazy here. Like, at what point is it has this gone too far? At what point is this too much? So I actually think like that's what made me stand up for myself that day. And that's what I needed to do was just to stand up for myself. And I also think that it just helped that I had started my business behind the scenes, that I did have a side hustle, that I was prepared. I think that that actually helped, too. It was like that little boost of confidence. Like you have something that's waiting on you. Just go and do it. You know, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think the biggest thing for me, it was like, if not now, when? Like, are you crazy? Like when are you ever going to be ready? Like I was never going to be actually ready to just take the leap. I think I'm a big planner and I just have to have everything like very laid out for me. But at that moment, it was like, if this is not the red flag telling you to like leave and go and pursue your own thing, then when will you ever do
0: it? So it was kind of
2: that moment for me.
0: Now, what happened next? (laughs) So after you land back, it was, did you go back to Mississippi?
2: Yes. I actually went back to Mississippi. So I flew home um, just to like spend time with my family because I hadn't done that, you know, since I had been working, I just used to go for um, major holidays. So I flew home and I think I was actually at home for about 10 days. And so I spent time with my sister and her family. I spent time with my parents and
0: it was just like a
2: big celebration and vacation,
0: honestly. (laughs) When, when did it hit you? Like, all right, I got to figure out how to make money. And what did you do next?
2: Oh, it hit me on the plane back to Dallas. I cried the entire flight back to Dallas, like sobbing, crying. Oh my God. <laughs> That's what it really hit me. I was like, okay, the vacation is over. You do not have another paycheck coming in. Like you have to figure this out. And so it's so funny. Um, I was on a plane and I just cry and cry and cry. And this flight attendant, she was like, do you need anything? I'm like, no, 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 I'm fine. So she hands me tissues. And then right before I get off the flight, she, tell, she tells me, she says, hey, I wrote this gospel song I want you to listen to. And I was like, oh, my God, like this is nobody but God. So I think that I think that was God telling me, like, it's going to be OK. Like you have it like you just have to go and do it. So I landed back in Dallas and I went home and I just came up with this very strict schedule. So after that I had um an hour by hour schedule of just Really being self-disciplined, because at this point, I had all of this freedom to do all these things that I wanted to do and all this research that I had been doing for this business. But I had to put it into action. Mm -hmm. So I just really buckled down and I said, you know, everyone else to go. Everyone else goes to work for eight hours a day. So I have to do the same thing. So I would wake up in the morning, I would, you know, get ready, I would work, work, work for hours upon hours. And so that's how I really got started. It's just being disciplined and, you know, doing the work and not seeing it as a freedom or just, you know, oh, I'm on this v- extended vacation. I decided that, oh, crap, like, I really have to get this work done. Like, this is what I have been wishing for. This is what I've been wanting. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So this is the time to do it.
0: What was that work? You you mentioned that, you know, you had all the business things in place, but were you working on client work? If so, how did you get that first client?
2: Okay, so the big thing for me was I had the website, the things that I needed were just clients. And so um, what I did first, and it was so funny. So I put my business on Groupon. And so I offered these services for like a discounted rate because I needed to get in front of people. In my mind, I woke up every morning and I said that, you know, no one knows your business exists. So how do you let people know that you're here? How do you let people know you exist? So one thing I did was I put my business on Groupon. People are clicking through Groupon every single day. And so they need These decorating services. So I put it on there. The second thing I did was I was just cold calling, and cold calling is not something that I ever want to do in life, (laughs) but I knew I had to do it. And so I was researching investors in Dallas, I was researching real estate brokers in Dallas, I was researching, um, agents in Dallas. And I would literally call them and I say, Hey, do you have a home stager on your team? I would love to, um, offer these services to you. So I called and called and called and I was getting more response back from investors because investors, you know, they're flipping these houses in the real estate market. And they were more willing to do it. And so my first client was um, a real estate investor, actually, and he was flipping multiple houses at a time. And so I just um, contacted him and he was
0: responsive and I did my first house. I love the hustle. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's what you have to do. Like, all right, hit the ground running. And you know, sometimes we feel good about ourselves when we send like five emails. Nah, man. You have to sit, uh-huh. like make a list of like a hundred. And after you get through that hundred, make that yeah. next list.
2: I mean, that's exactly how it is. Like I literally had an Excel document. So I would spend like an hour in the morning just like looking up people and mm-hmm. I'll put their mm-hmm. name in there and their phone number and their email address. And then when I did that for an hour, I would spend the next hour just calling. And I mean, like I had a script written for myself and everything. And so I would call and some people would hang up mid call. Some people would send you straight to voicemail. And I mean, some people would answer and they'd say, just send me an email. And so you're not going to get yes on the first try. You probably won't get a yes on the first 100 tries, honestly, but you have to keep going. And at that time it was just time versus money for me. So I didn't have the money to do this huge marketing campaign, but I did did have eight hours a, d- a day to sit there and call people. And so that was the biggest thing for me. So I literally cold called until people answer the phone until people were like, hmm, I don't have a stager, but I'll try it.
0: Did you did you get quality clients from Groupon as well? Or was it mainly from the cold calling?
2: It was mainly from the cold calling Groupon. It was more people looking for like interior design services or just decorating services. And that wasn't really the way that I wanted my business to go. But at that point, it was like the money was okay. Um, so I, I did discontinue the groupon shortly after like my staging business kind of like took off. But it was definitely from the cold calling. Um, I would call people and call people and I would send them emails and send them a link to my website. And so to me, it was like that personal connection that really worked. Um, so that was a big thing for me.
0: Hey, guys. It's Niyla here with a quick word from our sponsor. If you have a business or you know someone who does, you probably know by now that small business owners, we wear a lot of hats. And some of those hats are mad fun, I'm not going to lie. But some of them, like filing taxes and running payroll, they're not so great. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for us small businesses. It's fast with simple payroll processing, benefits, and expert HR support all in one place. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes, so you don't have to worry about all that. Plus, they make it easy to add on things like health benefits and even 401ks for your team. So those old school clunky payroll providers that you probably thought you had to look at, they just weren't built for the way we work as modern small businesses but Gusto is so let them wear all of those hats for you you have better things to do side hustle pro listeners you get three months free when you run your first payroll so test it out see for yourself at gusto.com slash shp that's gusto.com slash shp What was that first client relationship like? Was it a positive experience where you continued to work with each other?
2: Yes, it was a very positive experience. So I think I actually did three houses for that first client. So I met him. He was an investor. Um, He was looking for very inexpensive staging. (laughs) (laughs) I was a perfect candidate. I was just looking for work because the number one thing that I struggled with at the beginning, people saw me, one, as being super young. And so when you're super young, they just doubt you. And they're like, but do you really have the ability? Do you really have the years of experience? So a lot of people doubted me for that and two people wanted to see my portfolio what i do as a service-based business it is very visual so people want to see the last 10 houses you've staged they want to see your work they ask you for very detailed photos of what they're looking for and i didn't have that at that point so for him he was an investor he was flipping houses like crazy he was doing a couple houses at a time he wasn't as serious about, um, you know, he, he didn't care as much about the staging like he cared. But my prices were so low that I could offer these services to him. So um, I staged actually three houses for him um, and it just helped me build my portfolio. So I was barely breaking even at this point. But for me, I needed portfolio photos more than anything so that I could prove to other people that I could stage houses that I did have the skill set and the ability to do this.
0: And speaking of pricing, so is the cost of the furniture built in to your fee? How does that work?
2: Yes. So I actually own all of my inventory. So I own everything from sofas to nightstands to beds, mattresses. I own every single accessory, every floral piece that I put into each house. So I, um, the fee is built in. So when I do my pricing, it's all inclusive. It includes the operating costs as far as, you know, me paying my workers, insurance, a warehouse facility, the furniture fee is included. So I kind of do it as like a furniture rental fee since I own all of my inventory.
0: And where do you store it in between? Do you, do you have, have like some big storage center?
2: Yes, I have a warehouse. So um, I saw, I started in storage units, which is crazy to think about it at this point now. So at first I was buying furniture for each house. So if I booked a house, I would go and buy everything that I needed. It would go straight um, into the house. When it was time to destage a house, I would take everything back to the storage unit. That became really inefficient, super fast, because I just spent so much time with my guys moving things in and out of the storage unit. So then I had to move to um, a warehouse space and I'm currently on space number three at this point.
0: Why, why number three?
2: Uh, we keep growing. It's ah. just growing and growing. And so I, at first I have one storage unit. I went from one storage unit to three storage units. I moved from there to a warehouse and then to another warehouse. So as a business grows and scales, I just get larger and larger spaces. Okay, good problems.
0: Now tell, yeah. us about, tell us about these guys that you mentioned. So when you talk about staging and destaging, I'm just reminded of how much I hate moving. <laughs> like how how did you find this team to help you do that yeah
2: so I move a couple of times a week in in my business life um so what happens is when we get ready to stage a house we have a list of furnishings that are going in and that's the things that I have picked out that I want to use the guys do all of the heavy lifting um they come into the warehouse they load the truck with all of the furnishings They take them to the house and they are setting up the major furniture pieces. And then I'm coming behind them and I'm adding the decor and the accent pieces and the accessories. And I'm doing a lot of the hanging and the wall pieces. Um, Then, when it's D stage day, um, I take away all the accessories and pack up all the small items. And then I have the guys come in and they are getting the rugs, the tables, and the larger furniture pieces. They are wrapping them. And that's very important in our business model because. We want these furniture pieces to last as long as they can. So it's very important that everything is wrapped securely, that the wooden pieces aren't getting dented or hurt, um, that the fabric pieces aren't getting dirty. So the guys have a large responsibility to keep the inventory safe and to transport it so that we can continue to use it over and over and over again.
0: And are these people who are a part of the Atmospheric Home Staging staff like um, at this point or are these movers like a moving company that you've partnered with that you know you can trust?
2: So it's contracted moving company that I can trust. And that was hard, hard, hard to find. You can find movers, but it's hard to find good movers. And I tell them all the time, like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because it's it's a hard part in my company. Like I, you know, I don't. I need them often. So that's why they're contract workers. But it's also important that they're very professional and that they're taking care of my inventory as well. So we have built this relationship over time. That's very important. You know, so um, they are contract.
0: Now, now you have this amazing portfolio. You know, you've staged multiple, multiple houses. How is it getting clients these days? Are Is it still word of mouth or do you do anything specifically to market yourself?
2: Uh, yes, most of it is referral and word of mouth. Um, I work with a lot of the same people over and over and over again. So once a realtor works with me, they understand how I work. They like my work. They like my style. They will continue calling me. They will refer me to people in their offices. I also work with a lot of real estate investors, and these people are flipping a few houses a year. So that's a lot of um, repeat clientele as well. Um, one of the other marketing tools that I receive a lot of business from is thumbtack.com. Have you heard of thumbtack? I have heard. I've used thumbtack, yeah. Okay. Yes. So I, um, I have a page on thumbtack.com and I think it's very good for entrepreneurs who are just starting out because these people are looking, you know, for a particular type of business. So they go on there and they fill out this survey. And so I do receive some clients from, um, thumbtack.com, but at this point it's mostly, mostly referrals and mostly, um, word of mouth.
0: So when it comes to the mental and physical roadblocks, Of this whole business like you're a new entrepreneur you're you're young like you said you know you only work for two years before becoming an entrepreneur what were some of your greatest challenges and and how did you push through that
2: i think for me the roadblocks were definitely more mental than physical um For me, it was like, I had to remind myself, I am an entrepreneur, I am doing this. I think so many days it was so surreal that like I had built this business. Like this was mine. I built it from the ground up. I can do whatever I want. I can brand it however I want. So it was very mental for me. And so one of the things that I had to think about was just like the freedom that I have. And you have the freedom to do whatever you want to do day to day. So I had to really just manage my time and I had to really practice self-discipline and I had to just hold myself accountable. But I think as far as the mental aspect, I had to ask myself, who do you want to be and what type of you know, business owner, entrepreneur do you want to be? And I had to really just become that person. So I had to transition and become that person. I had to think about which personality traits that I want to possess, or how did my, I want my business to look? And you know, I wanted to be very professional and be perceived a certain way. So I had to become that person. And so I think you really just have to look at your strengths and weaknesses and say, you know, what am I really good at? And that's what I'm going to play up in my business. And what are my weaknesses? And what do I need to work on? Because those Those things can also tear you down. And so I think that was very important for me was just to think about, okay, these personality traits and these habits that I wanted to be as a business owner and not just admire these things and other people, but really dig down deep in yourself and find those things. And if you aren't doing them right now, become that person.
0: It's so interesting that you mentioned that because, you know, that's definitely an epiphany I had. And the journey that I'm continually on is just recognizing that you have to manage yourself and recognizing that now you you need to operate differently to become the entrepreneur, the business owner that you want to be, but you don't become that overnight. So what were some of the personality traits and habits that stood out to you that you wanted to embody and, and how's the process of, of doing that going? <laughs>
2: Well, it's ongoing. (laughs) I think the the one thing that I really wanted to be was just perceived as being professional. And so I did that from the beginning, from building a logo logo that looked professional, building something that was long lasting and not just very trendy. So I remember um, when I first had my coming soon web page on my website, it was like it looked like I was legit and I was still working another job. And so for me, I just wanted to be professional. So in my emails, when I responded with someone, it was always very professional. It was always very timely. I just really did that um, and took it very serious from the beginning. It was never just a hobby or just a joke or just something I was doing. It was always I was building this bigger business and this thing that I wanted, but I just needed to get there. So I had to kind of act like I was that person from the beginning. Yes, yes. That's the biggest thing is like, even if you're not that person, no one knows, act like that person, become that person, have those healthy habits and start doing those things from the beginning. And you don't have to go back and correct those things later in life. So I think that was big, um, really big for me. And I also think just reading books and reading about these experiences in other people, you know, if it's listening to podcasts or reading books or just you know, finding other entrepreneurs and see what they are doing. And you have to gain this knowledge, especially if you aren't exposed to a lot of other entrepreneurs. I think you have to, you know, tap into your resources. And there are so many out there now that, um, you know, that can just empower you and give you the knowledge that you need.
0: It's so awesome that you say that. And that's why the show is so important to me, because I just think it's important for people to know that people at all stages. So I love to interview people who have recently started and who maybe might be, you know, 10, 20 years in the game, because we're all working on something and you can do it too. Like everybody can start somewhere and just work on one thing rather than sitting in the doubts and the what ifs the what ifs kill you right because it's like you you will never know so sitting around wondering oh what if this person thinks that what if this happens what if, like that is just useless right but it happens but
2: you're not operating like yeah that.
0: but listen to us like we're doing it you know two years out figuring things out and not letting the what ifs cripple us
2: Yes. And I think the biggest thing is just like doing it, starting somewhere. And I think sometimes people get so overwhelmed of like, I want to build this home staging business. Where do I even start? It's like, just start somewhere. And for me, that was starting with a conference, you know, Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. whoever's out there who wants to be an entrepreneur. You have this idea. Start with going to a conference. Like I literally invested two hundred dollars in myself and went and sat there for two days. I took vacation time from work to go to this, you know, and so just start somewhere and that somewhere can be writing down your business plan, that somewhere can be um, drawing up your logo. It's so many things you have to do to even get there, but you do have to start and you can never get there if you don't even start.
0: Yes.
1: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you
0: One of the things we talked about and one of the things I love about you is you mentioned that there are all these home staging people in Dallas. Like it's it's a pretty popular and and crowded market right now or maybe not crowded, but there are other options. Yet you still are confident in what you bring to the table. How are you able to do that? Because a lot of us get stuck when we think someone else has already taken our idea.
2: I started and I was you know, looking at the competition when I first started, but I just felt like no one offered what I was trying to offer. And so one of the biggest things for me is I wanted these rooms and these homes and these environments that I created, I wanted them to have this special touch. So when I first started home staging, like everyone was just using brown furniture. It was a typical Texas traditional look. And no one was delivering the look that I wanted. And I know that was a value that I had added to my services. I also knew that no one had the background that I had. Um, So I met a lot of people at the conference. And honestly, in home staging, a lot of people are hobbyists. And a lot of people have like these certifications in home staging. But I had a freaking master's degree in in merchandising. And I knew that that was an advantage for me. So I took that and I ran with it. And so I had studied space planning, I had studied merchandising, I had studied home furnishings, and I knew that that was my advantage in the home staging industry. So I took that and I knew that the services that I wanted to offer, I wanted to offer vacant home staging which some people do and some people don't. Most people here prefer occupied home staging. So I had a slight advantage there. And I just knew that, you know, the look that I was going to deliver, that no one else was doing that at that point. And that, you know, I was buying items that everyone else was afraid to buy and put in their inventory. So what I would do is I would look at my competition. I would see what they were doing and I would do exactly what I wanted. And I did what I thought was missing from it. And I think my clients that I receive are different from the clients that they receive. And so my clients are very in tune to, you know, interior design and home staging. They're very particular. They're very specific in what they want me to deliver. And that's the value that I I add as a stager. So I have this aesthetic that a lot of other people aren't offering.
0: Yes. Know your value. Know what you bring to the table. So it's been how many years?
2: Oh, let's see. It'll be three years in July. Three years in July. Wow.
0: Wow. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I mean, when I say something like 2016, to me, that sounds like last year, but I can't believe it. it's crazy it's been three years so okay a lot of people lose money in the first few years of their business what has been your experience now three years in are you beyond breaking even what's going on
2: Yes. So I broke even last year and I was super happy and super proud. So I originally funded my business through my savings account. So um, once I quit my job, I basically had my savings account and I was like, okay, like I have six months to get it together or I have to go and find a job. And I was like, I'm going to do this. And so what I did was I purchased inventory and I, um, I first put myself on a very strict budget. That was the first thing I did. I eliminated any unnecessary expenses that I did not need. And um, I, when I was buying inventory, I only bought things that were necessary. So I wouldn't just go in a store and say, oh, my God, that's beautiful. I'm going to buy that. So once I booked a house, once I had a contract and a deposit, that is when I actually went shopping for that house. So I think that's one of the things that really saved me is I only purchased items that were necessary. I wasn't just buying inventory just to have inventory sitting around. The next thing that I did that also helped me was I did um, open a bank account early on and I received a. Um, a offer for a business credit card. And the limit was very low. I think maybe like $2,000 on it at the time. And so that was also, it was kind of like my cap of how much I could spend. So if I was going to do a house and I needed a piece of furniture that I didn't have, I knew that I couldn't go into 10 or 20 or $30,000 in debt. I only had this $2,000 from this business credit card that I could use. And so it really made me just, um, you know, look at my expenses, it made me to stay in budget. And I made sure that I paid off the credit card as soon as I got paid from every um, house that i staged. So I took some risk, but I took very calculated risk, and I didn't take out a large business loan. So I never had this large sum of money where I could just go out and buy these things. So I had to be very vigilant of the things I was purchasing and making sure that they would serve me well and could, and could continue to use them in staging. So I was just very frugal with my money from the beginning how are you thinking
0: about this year? And and I'm sure you want to do more than break even. So how are you going to scale the business, especially being one person?
2: So this year, what I do now is I have a monthly goal. So I break it down. Um, I set goals every year. So I have a monthly goal of how much I need to make in sales. And these sales, um, I have to think about things like inventory. I have to think about the warehouse insurance, um, of course, paying my team. Um, so the biggest thing is it's a monthly goal at this point. And so with the monthly goal, as I'm hitting that every month, I am profitable and doing more than breaking even. So that's the, um, that's the way that I kind of scale my business and also just gradual price increases. Like I mentioned, when I started with the investor, I was very low on the totem pole as far as pricing, um, for home staging. And so, as I got better, I gradually increased my prices. I'm receiving, you know, more profit. Also for me, my inventory, the longer that I can keep it, the more money that I can make off of turning the inventory. So if I can use a sofa eight, nine, 10 times, I am constantly making more money by holding that in my inventory. So I just try to reduce the inventory levels, um, increase my monthly sales goal and, um, Just think about eliminating services that no longer add value as well. So I did also looked at my plan and I realized that consultations and occupied staging was not bringing in as much money as vacant staging. So I had to slowly um, move away from that and just specialize in vacant home staging.
0: And when you say I have a sales goal, when you say you have a sales goal, then what do you do to meet that? So let's say, you know, you need one more client to hit that month. Are you getting on the phone again? Are you, you know, marketing more in some other way? How do you ensure that you hit that goal?
2: So I usually have a dollar goal. And at the beginning of the month, I'll say I need to do this many houses. So if it's like the 15th of the month and I'm like, okay, well, do I need one more house or two more houses to hit this goal? And so um, I have an assistant and she kind of focuses on marketing at this point. Um, If we are super busy, we're out of inventory, we'll kind of slow down our social media marketing but we'll also reach out. Um, We have a newsletter. We have like 10 different marketing strategies that we actually implement. So we just kind of go through the list and we say, hey, do we need to do some lunch and learns? Do we need to attend some networking events? Um, Should we follow up with someone we haven't heard from in a while? So it really just depends on that where we are like mid month. And then we say, okay, how many more houses do we need to reach that goal? And we go from there figuring out, you know, how do we want to do this?
0: Speaking of this assistant, so how did you find her or him? And um, how are you approaching hiring and building out the team?
2: Wow. Hiring and building is the hardest thing (laughs) that I have done to date. Um, I have realized that, you know, word of mouth really helps to let people know what you're looking for you need and sometimes people will come to you so it was crazy I was at dinner and I mentioned like I need some help I need some help and one of my friends was like hey um you want to should I have my sister reach out to you and I'm like oh you know only if she wants to and so she actually reached out to me she came in and she only helped me out for a few days and then I was talking to another friend of like oh I need to put a post on indeed.com and she was like but why like you mentioned she came in last week and she was amazing. Like, why won't you just hire her? And like, that's when the light bulb clicked. And so for me, I think it's about, you have to find somebody that is compatible with you, someone who understands your goals and understands like the direction you're trying to go in. And so it's very, very hard. I was talking to somebody else and I said, you know, it's kind of like, Your business is your baby and you're looking for a nanny or a babysitter for your business. And I just feel like it's this hard thing that you have to do, but you have to find someone who has the same goals and drive as you and who's going to take care of your business like you do. So um, it's very hard, though.
0: Yeah. But yeah, the goal is to be able to go on a trip and have your business continue to run without you or be able to stage a house, you know, without having you physically present eventually.
2: Yes, that is the goal. And I think uh, also a big part of that is just putting the systems and procedures in place. Mm -hmm. So you have to have, you know, just why do we do this and how do we do it and how do we do it consistently every time? So it's, it's about having those people in place, but also the systems and procedures and just trying to automate your business as much as you can as well.
0: How do you set those systems and procedures? Are you literally, you're talking about writing down your operating procedures?
2: Yes, writing down these procedures. Because for so long, it was just me operating how I want to or me operating the way that I know works. So I've spent a lot of time recently just writing these things down, writing down the goals, writing down the strategies writing down the plan of what we're doing and how we're doing these things. And you have to have it written down clear and black and white so that, you know, when it doesn't go that way, you can reference back. But it's very important to have these things. And it takes time. And it's like, yes, I would love to be staging a house right now, but I need to write down this manual or I need to write down these goals and they need to be plain and in clear sight. So it is time consuming, but it's so necessary. And I think it saves time in the long
0: run. So what's next for Kendra and Atmospheric Home Staging?
2: Oh, so we are moving. We are moving into a new warehouse. So that is happening this week. (laughs) And um, so that's new for us because um, our inventory is growing. We're doing more and more houses every month. So the first step is moving into this new space, getting set up. We have to do a lot of like shelving and of course, moving furniture from one place to the next is, you know, kind of a big deal. Once we're settled in our new space, we're um, focusing on offering some new services. So I want to kind of move into short-term vacation rentals. And I wanna help people who are placing these, you know, on the market online to style and decorate them. Because we all know when we go on like Airbnb.com and you see that beautiful decorated place, you wanna stay there instead of the one that, you know, it's kind of just basic. So that's the next biggest thing for me is just expanding my services and tapping into the short term vacation rental market.
0: I think that is so smart. Go for it. Because, yeah, when I look on Airbnb, I'm like, oh, no. Oh, you really, really? (laughs) You couldn't go to, you know, Target and get a little a new comforter? No. okay. (laughs) so we're going to jump into a quick lightning round. Um, You just answer the very first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Number one, what is a resource that has helped you specifically in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience?
2: Um, One of the things that I really used that was helpful when I first started was SCORE.org. And SCORE is this business mentorship program. And so I used to go to SCORE weekly and I would sit down with a mentor that that they helped me find. And these mentors were amazing. They were like business executives who were volunteering their time. So I think if you're just getting started out or if you are an entrepreneur looking to learn and grow and you're needing a mentor, definitely check out SCORE.org.
0: All right. Number two, what's been the best business book that you've consumed this year or in life?
2: Uh, Probably Outliers
0: by Malcolm Gladwell. Okay. Number three, what is a non-negotiable part of your day?
2: Definitely prayer in the morning. You just have to get your mind right, say a prayer, set the tone for the day. I think expressing gratitude, just being thankful that I am able to be an entrepreneur, that I am able to live this life, but definitely choosing that each day is new and different and just praying and setting the tone for that day.
0: Love it. Number four, what is a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business?
2: Definitely um, self discipline and setting goals and planning. Like I said, I set yearly goals. I set monthly goals. I set daily goals. I have to do lists. So every week, you know, I'm writing down what do I need to accomplish this week? And for me, I find a lot of joy in marking those things off midday or on, you know, whatever day of the week that is. But just writing those things down and holding yourself accountable with this to do list and, you know, making sure these things are happening.
0: OK. And then finally, what is your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss but are worried about losing that study paycheck?
2: My advice is definitely go to your nine to to five, but in the evenings, you also have to work five to nine until you're able to be your own boss. So take advantage of your evenings, take advantage of your weekends, build your business, build it, build it, build it until the demand is there, until the sales are there, build your business until you get that clear signal that you can take that leap and you can, you know, have a steady paycheck from your side hustle.
0: Alright, so where can people connect with you and atmospheric home staging after this episode?
2: Okay, so my website is atmospherichome.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram. Our Instagram is Atmospheric Home and then my personal Instagram is period Outlaw.
0: All right, guys, so there you have it. Hey, hey, thanks for listening. Now stay connected in between episodes by texting Side Hustle Pro to 44222. You'll get my weekly six bullet Saturday newsletters where I share what I'm up to, what I'm reading, my business tip of the week and resources to help you grow your side hustle. And I'm working behind the scenes on some live events, which my email list will get access to first. So make sure you're in the loop. Text Side Hustle Pro to 44222 or visit SideHustlePro.co slash SBS.